0: With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, though they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live lustfully and pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learn about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by the and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold hold it. to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others again. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be safe on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you.
1: Cool. Thanks, Steve, for sorting that out. I really appreciate that. That's good enough. Um, I was uh, listening to a sermon on Ephesians the other day and I discovered Paul wrote the book to the church of Ephesus which was made up by a bunch of house churches. Just like us, hey? (laughs) There was no physical building for one sort of church in Ephesus. Everyone was meeting in houses. And so this letter would have been read out amongst the houses. But before we talk about um, Ephesians 4... I want to take a few moments for you to think about these two questions. When you think about yourself, what are you most proud of? And what are the most important goals you have for yourself in the next ten years? Just think about those two things. I'll give you a few minutes. If you're really old, you can make it five years. (laughs) (laughs) so what are you most proud of about yourself and what are your most important goals in the next decade just just take a couple minutes to think and if anyone's brave enough i'm going to ask you to share these in a minute but you don't have to Should have thought of this earlier, Steve. Doesn't matter. that's enough room. Doesn't matter. I, I got, I got space there. It's all good. All right. Anyone want to share what they're proud of in themselves? And that's probably a hard one to do because no one wants to do that. Yeah. What? what are you proud of?
0: I was saying,
1: I don't know. Don't know. Okay.
0: Yeah. That to is a really easy one. Yeah. And having three beautiful daughters, that's their, so. their
1: attitudes. I'll put my family. <laughs> yep. Kids. Yep. And yeah. I was,
0: I was actually thinking of it before you actually asked this. And I was just thinking of the inner strength that I have. I, I know that
1: I am strong. Okay. Yes. That's good, and I heard independence from over there.
0: I'm proud of the youth kids that've
1: come out of that show in the past couple weeks. Okay, so it's uh, your relationships. I'll put that. Hey, mm. relationships. <laughs> oh, I'm running out of space already. Anyone else want to share anything they're proud of? Yeah, Neil. Serving faithfully. Serving. <sighs> I've got to get smaller.
0: Yeah,
1: be a <laughs> Matthew. Convincing mom and dad to let me get games on the I'll leave that one out. <laughs> Persuasion. No, That's good, that works. Manipulation. Manipulation. <laughs> Manipulation. <laughs> 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 Does that mean you gave in not in the games? Yeah. Well, you know you know whose fault it was? It was Tim Nugent's fault because he gave Matthew a Steam, which is a, a computer games <laughs> gift card for Christmas or his birthday.
0: <laughs>
1: but, but he asked <laughs> for it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Alright, anyone else want to share what they're proud of? No, anyway.
0: Nicole?
1: That the kids love each other and Yeah, okay. Alright, so family, kids, serving, the church, inner strength, persuasion, independence, relationships, all good things to be proud of. Alright, what about goals in the next 10 years? Who wants to share their goals? It's Yeah, I couldn't find any. It's in there. What are your goals? Getting into the NBA. Getting into the NBA. Oh, that's a good goal. You're almost tall enough. Just grow a few more inches. Let's
0: have a quick talk on goals versus dreams.
1: You're quick today. That's a good one. Any other goals? See revival. See revival, okay. Write a book. Write a book. Yep. These are the sort of things I expected people to say, by the way, which is good. I could guess, well, not the NBA specifically, but anyway. Any other goals for the next decade? Yeah, for
0: the next decade, somewhere along the line,
1: I've got a plan for retirement. Retirement. I've got plan for retirement. Re- Stop <laughs> teaching this. Stop going to play in trouble with it. Goals? Make a 10 year plan. <laughs> 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 nice. All right, very good. Okay. Thanks for sharing your, your areas of pride and your goals. We're good, Steve. Thank you for that, though. It's uh, half done now. So, when I think about myself and about other people and consider what we're proud of in our lives, Those The sort of things that you said are the answers that come to mind. People are often proud, though, aren't they, of things like what they've achieved. We're proud of what we've managed to achieve in our career. The house we've renovated, the property we've done up, the fence we've painted, the songs or the music we've composed, the poetry we've written, the artwork we've painted, the family we've raised. Those are all things that people are proud of. When we talk about goals... The sort of things that we usually have as goals are advancing our career into the MBA, renovating our house, buying a dream property. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Composing a great piece of literature or art or writing a book. Completing a degree. Those are the sort of things we make our goals, aren't they? And these these are not bad things. These are good things. Um, These are things which are important to work towards. But we put a lot of emphasis on them. We put a lot of value on these, on these goals and on these dreams and these ambitions. So it's worth asking the question, are these the things that God calls us to do? Is God proud of those things? Is he calling us to make those things our goal? Is this what God says life is about? Well, Ephesians 4, 17-32 is all about life and how to live life. Take a look at verse 17, which starts this way. With the Lord's authority, I say to you. So the next one, next slide. With the Lord's authority, I say this to you. Live, no longer as the Gentiles. Throw off your old sinful nature, your old formal way of life. Instead, let the Spirit renew you and put on your new nature. So Ephesians 4 gives us insight into the way God wants us to live. It helps us understand what God thinks is important. So these are the achievements in life that we should be proud of when we achieve them. These are what we should make our greatest goals and ambitions in life. That's at least according to the one who created us. Verse 25, let's look at what it says. It tells us, Stop telling lies. Tell our neighbours the truth. Truthfulness should be a key goal and ambition in life. We should be proud of life when we are truthful. Verse 26 calls us not to let anger control us. It reminds us of the profound truth to never let the sun go down on our anger. Because anger is the foothold for the devil. So we should be most proud When we live lives of peacefulness and gentleness. Verse 28 commands us to stop stealing, to work hard, to be generous. So, one of our key goals, according to the Bible, in life should be to contribute in some way. Our work, our contribution, isn't about self importance, it's not about prestige, nor is it about accumulating personal wealth or possessions. Instead, we work hard in life so that we can serve others and be generous. So whatever you're doing in life, whether it's paid or unpaid work, pride should come not because of receiving accolades or obtaining wealth. Instead, be proud when you're contributing in a way that helps you serve others. Then in verse 29, we're reminded about the destruction that words can bring. Words have the power to hurt, to damage. They also have the power to to heal, to encourage. Those are the words we should choose. When my kids say something that doesn't sound kind, I usually ask them to think and say, is what you just said true? And if it isn't, don't say it. And if it is, then go on and ask the question, is what you're saying necessary? Will it help the person you said it to? Does it need to be said? And if the answer is no, then don't say it. So our goal should be to speak words of truth that are helpful, that are encouraging, that help a person who's doing well to keep going in the right path and to help a person who's not doing well to change, to go on the right path. And finally, something that's so central to our faith, our ambition in life should be to be tender-hearted and merciful. Mercy is at the root of God's relationship to us, isn't it? The death and resurrection of Jesus, they show us how great our need is for forgiveness and how great God's capacity is to forgive. So we're called to be like that too, to forgive like God, to be gracious like He is. There's no deeper calling than that for a Christian. And so that should be our deep ambition that we forgive. When the time in our life comes, as it does for all of us, that we need to forgive someone who's hurt us badly. Our ambition should be that we can forgive when that time comes. So think back to the beginning of the sermon. What were you proud of in your life? What were your goals and ambitions in the next ten years? Did they look anything like this table? Did they revolve around issues of truthfulness, of peace, of gentleness, of encouragement, of service and generosity, of mercy and grace? Your answers were perfectly legitimate, perfectly reasonable. But if they're not about character and good relationships, then they should just be peripheral goals. They should be peripheral ambitions. Let's be encouraged to make these things our prime goals and prime ambitions in life. And be proud when... You're truthful when you serve, when you encourage, when you show peace, when you show gentleness in the midst of all your frustrations. That's when you should be most proud. Much prouder of that than anything you can achieve at school or work or university. Keep seeing these small daily goals as your main ones. Make them your ongoing ambition every day. And then the bigger goals, are going to take care of themselves. In fact, these goals and ambitions are actually more than just goals and ambitions for a Christian. These are actually markers of someone who has been born again by the Holy Spirit. (coughs) These are the characteristics of a person who's received the Holy Spirit and has a new nature. That's what's written in verses 23 and 24. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Remember Jesus spoke about this too. You remember he spoke about a good tree and a bad tree and good fruit and bad fruit? That's what he said. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Someone who knows God, a follower of Jesus who's been forgiven and transformed by the Holy Spirit, produces good fruit. It's as simple as that. Fruit like this description in the book of Galatians. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That sounds like a, a lot like the commands in Ephesians 4, doesn't it? These are the markers of a person who's God, who God has renewed. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts to make us people like this. This is what being born again looks like. But I'm sure you all see the problem. <laughs> if this is what being born again looks like, then why don't I look like this? <laughs> Why do I need to be reminded of this? Last night I yelled at Matthew, didn't I? Remember Matthew? (laughs) He wasn't behaving brilliantly. He deserved a mild rebuke. And yet I found my tension rising and I pulled him aside into the study there and firmly yelled at him, letting my anger get on top of me. I did the same to Simon as well, actually. (laughs) Again, he wasn't misbehaving too much either. Just enough to need a mild rebuke. And yet I was unable to manage the simple mild rebuke that was needed, instead let myself get angry. I'm not living up to this image of holiness. I'm not even close. I fall short of it all the time. So what, what is happening? If this is what a Christian looks like, then why don't I look like this? And if Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, knew that this is what the church looks like, Why did he need to write to the church and remind them to live like this?
0: Share
1: your thoughts. Because they're not fully
0: living like that. They aren't, are they? It's a goal, but it's
1: not achieved. Yep. It's a goal, but it's not achieved? Just like us? Just like us. How is that the case when Jesus says, "Good tree bears good fruit? How does that happen? (laughs) <laughs> We're all bad trees. <laughs> Quite possible. That's the humble way of looking at it. I think, I think we, we try and we let go and we lose our
0: focus. We come back and then other things get in the way. And I don't know. I think
1: it's a constant battle to live like that. hmm it reminds
0: me of the parable of the, the farmer where he has to prune back the, the branches, and that, even though that's painful, like sometimes the presentation of what people need to cut out needs to be presented to them, and then to let God cut those things back
1: mm-hmm. so that they can be used for So it's a battle for us, and we let things get in the way, and God needs to be involved in that change, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Good. Any other thoughts? We're clinging to our old
0: self.
1: Still seeing some of the fruit of the old self, mm-hmm. even though the new self is is planted in us. Mm-hmm. We're still planting. So this old tree which is ugly and bad, and there's this new tree growing inside it that's going to break free. <laughs> it's conflicts, isn't it? So. Yep. 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 While well, we were still sinners, he died for us. One of the most beautiful verses. So let me share stories of two major life events. For most of us, one of them for all of us, and one of them for many of us. The first one is our first day in the world, our birth. It's about birth. So one day, the baby's in his mother's womb, floating quietly in this warm, safe environment. When suddenly something happens, quite quickly. A hormonal change occurs and a cascade of events happens. And within hours, the baby's no longer in this warm, safe bubble of water, but it's being pushed into the outside world. Before he knows it, he's in this cold, bright world of noise and light. The miracle of births happened. New life is there for everyone to see. But this new life is a struggle. There's a lot to learn. And although there's been this huge binary change from in the womb to the outside world, there's still a lot of growth needed. And this growth takes time. The big once-in-a-lifetime event of birth has happened, but the rest of the life is now beginning. And there's going to be gradual, incremental change from here, daily. The baby's going to grow into a child and eventually into an adult. Second major life events, a wedding. A man and a woman fall in love, hopefully, and make the decision to get married. Right up until the wedding, though, they're not married. And although they're building this connection before they're married, they're still free to part ways, should they choose. Then comes the wedding and the vows, and they promise to stick together, to love each other from that moment forwards. Two individuals become one new family unit. The woman takes the last name of her husband usually, and they're both changed. Their relationship is materially different from that point onwards, from the wedding. According to Jesus, they're united as one at that point. Nothing can be the same again. They've gone from being two separate individuals in different families to becoming one new unified family. And then the marriage starts with all of its ups and downs, good times and bad times, but with growth in this new family and new couple over the next decades. Sometimes everything's looking and feeling great, sometimes everything seems tough. That's marriage. These two major life events remind me a bit about being a Christian. There is this point in a person's life. Sometimes it's so early in childhood we can't even pick when it happens. But there's a point when we fall on our knees in front of our God. We know his forgiveness. We know his love and we commit to belonging to him and to following him all the days of our lives. That point's like birth or like the wedding. And in theological terms it's got a name, justification. This is a time when, not when God makes a good person better, this is the time when God makes a dead person alive.
0: Mm.
1: It's a great mystery of the Christian faith, but the Holy Spirit at this point renews our hearts, turning our hearts from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. We become a child of God. That's the event of justification, of being born again. But that's only the start of the Christian life. And although we're renewed and transformed, we're like little infants who need to grow into full spiritual adults. And so we'll have our tantrums and our fights with God. But as we hold on to him as our father, we will grow, we'll incrementally change for the better. Becoming more holy, more like Christ, more truthful, more peaceful, more generous, more merciful. But it takes time. It takes years, it takes decades of growth. So that also has a theological term and that's called sanctification. We are justified and sanctified. We're born again and then we grow up. So don't be disheartened when you look at your life and you realise that you aren't bearing the fruit that you're meant to. When you're not living up to those goals and ambitions that God calls you to. None of us live up to that. That's part of growing up as a Christian, recognizing that we were once like Gentiles, people who don't know God. Like verse 17 says, we were once confused and filled with darkness. We didn't realize how dishonest or how abusive or how unholy or sinful we were. That was once, but no more. As someone who God has rescued, as someone who's born again and renewed by the Holy Spirit, we now recognize what we were and are without God. And that's the first step towards letting God transform us. He will help us throw off our old sinful nature, our old former way of life. God himself will clothe us as we become spiritual adults. So let's listen to him as he teaches us and guides us. Take time every day to listen to him. I don't do that anywhere near enough, but we need to take time to read his word, to pray, to be silent and peaceful and listen. And he will guide us. He will teach us how to live. So let's let him guide us. Let him make us more truthful. Let him teach us to become gentle peacemakers. And then we'll be known by all these things. We'll be known by our service, by our generosity. And we'll see others grow through our encouragement. We'll know restored relationships through our forgiveness. We'll be the sort of people that are a joy to God and a joy to others. And we'll bring that joy to others. Amen.